I always want to share what people are asking me because it's very much the same. And I'll tell them so I'm boo in the face. Like, I swear, five other people asked me that this week. I answered this question so many times. You're not alone in feeling this way or thinking this way or wanting to know these things. But it's a very common human experience. And that's what I want people to understand, that we're all human. Anxiety is part of being human. Intense emotions as part of being human. And we're all just kind of moving through it together. I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life. So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't. This is Unlock Your Therapy. Hello and welcome to session 12 of the Unlock Your Therapy podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm sitting at my dining room table watching these adorable little birds eat in the window bird feeder I have, drinking my coffee, just dropped the kids off at school, had to spend time changing Everett in the car because I can't hand him over full of poop, which he was when I took him out of his car seat. But now I'm home doing work. So excited to be here today with the house to myself besides all of my animals. I have a great episode for you today. We're getting into highs and lows. Then I'm going to dive into anxiety where I'm going to be talking all about the Kardashians. You may love them or hate them. I find that not a lot of people are neutral on the topic, but I have a lot to say after I just binge watched their first season on Hulu. And it relates to mental health a lot. So I wanted to touch on the Kardashians today. Then we're going to get into skill of the week where I go over, is it nature or nurture for people? I get a lot of questions of why am I anxious? Why am I highly sensitive? And other people don't seem to be this way. Was I born this way? Did it happen to me? Did something that happened in my life cause me to be this way? Which is it? We're going to dive into that topic that comes up very frequently. Then we're going to get into action item of the week, which goes back to judgment and trying to be non-judgmental, which is always what we're trying to cultivate with anxiety, using mindfulness, is letting go of judgment towards ourselves and towards others and relying more on facts. So the action item of the week goes along with that. It's a little different than what we've talked about before regarding judgment. And I think it's going to be helpful to practice. And we always want to be practicing because if we're not practicing, we're not rewiring our brain to actually become less anxious and doing things. It's like getting homework, right? If you go to school, but you never read any of the books or you never do anything except show up to class or just listen to it, you feel like you're doing something by listening but you're really not doing anything unless you take action. So a little tough love of putting things I'm talking about into practice during the week and keeping them front of mind so that you can start to build new neural connections in the brain and start to feel differently. Okay, 
into my, we'll start with my low. Let's start with the low. Was last week when the kids started school, they were both very sad. Carson would cry, but I knew he would be okay because he would always tell me he had a good day at school when I picked him up, even though he was hysterically crying when I dropped him off and it totally broke my mama heart. But I knew once he got into the classroom, I knew he was fine. Everett had a really hard start to daycare. He'd be crying every day. I know I touched on this last week, but it did resolve itself, luckily. So we had to work out a few kinks, us and the school, but we did. And we talked to them. Dan was so helpful at just trying to take a lot of stress off my plate and talk to them as well and just communicate what we're feeling and things that we felt could go a little better. Again, I'm always working on my assertiveness. Dan is much more assertive than I am. So he was helpful at balancing that out with me. So that went well. They're doing much better. Everett is happy. He doesn't cry all during the day now, which is just like such a transformation. Makes my mama heart so happy. Carson's doing better. But that was my low, was just really figuring things out with the school. Like even last weekend, I really didn't sleep well. I was just ruminating about it. I mean, I just felt like I was sending them somewhere that they weren't happy with Everett anyway. But it's all sorted out. It's going much better. I'm liking the school a lot more. I think, you know, when you don't know people and they're taking care of your kids and they're not happy, it just feels harder. But we're on a better page now. But that was my low. Also, I've been working so much this week, which is great. But, you know, my house is just perpetually messy, but we'll we'll handle it. So my high is this cool fall weather we're having. I know it's going to warm up again a little bit, but today is like a high of like 74. It's just gorgeous outside. It's nice and cool. I feel like I can sit outside now. The mosquitoes are getting better. We have a terrible mosquito problem here, but things are just really nice and cool outside and I can open up the windows and get fresh air. I just really love this time of year. So I'm embracing it. And also having the house to myself to work every day, it's, it's been great. So that, that's my high. Okay, let's get into anxiety. So I don't know if you all keep up with the Kardashians, but I wasn't in the know because I didn't have Hulu, but I recently got Hulu and I binge watched season one and I was just really interested. Well, I'm, I like their show because I do feel like they're vulnerable. I'm sure, of course, they're all like producers on the show. I'm sure it's scripted. I'm sure not everything we see is real. Absolutely. But their main events in their life are real. Like those things do really happen to them. And I do feel like they're vulnerable in sharing their what they're going through emotionally. So I was just really impressed that they were so open about their emotions. So for example, Kim was sharing that her confidence was really low without Kanye, that she's getting divorced from him. He would style her and felt like he was the fashion guru and would help her make all these decisions. And she's getting back into styling herself and making fashion decisions for herself. And, you know, I think he really tore her down a lot with her fashion decisions and continues to. She mentioned that she wore something and he texted her like, your career is over. So I do feel like she's been very belittled and taken down by him. But she was sharing just her confidence is low and she really is, you know, not feeling great when she's dressing herself and making these decisions for the first time. And she doesn't 
know what her style is, like who she is with her own style. But I thought it was so interesting because she was sharing all this. Meanwhile, she's the mother of four children. She just passed the baby bar exam to be a lawyer of some sorts. She, in the episode, helped someone get off of death row and helped save their life from execution. And she did all of this in the same episode that she was talking about, that she's worried she can't dress herself with style. So it just goes to show that everyone struggles. Like there's no easy answer and there's nothing that just will magically make it better for you other than working on your own feelings and thoughts and just labeling your thoughts as being a habitual way of thinking based on emotion, not based on facts or evidence, right? Clearly she's on the cover of Vogue and Sports Illustrated and all this. She's invited to fashion shows and she models for all these designers. So it's not based on facts and evidence. It's based on her emotions and where she's at and coming out of a relationship and a divorce and that her confidence is really shook by that. So I just felt like that was a good lesson in there. And then Chloe was sharing that she has terrible anxiety after she gives interviews And it's not the interview or the host or doing it that makes her that nervous. It's feeling like everyone's going to be talking about her and judging her after the interview. And she's going to hear the backlash about it all. So she's really worried about judgment, even though she's, you know, one of the most famous people in the world. She still is worried about that, has a lot of anxiety. She took a beta blocker before she did an interview, which I just did an episode on beta blockers. And she was saying that it really helped calm her nerves. She was wonderful. She loves them. So that just goes back to the previous episode I shared about beta blockers. And then Kendall on the one of the episodes has health anxiety. Health anxiety, I think, is one of the most common forms of anxiety. I think anyone who has anxiety has health anxiety at some point or existential anxiety, which is tied into health anxiety, might be the underlying reason people have health anxiety. And she was doing IV treatments for, you know, vitamins and all of that. She's obsessed with her health. She has a whole room in her house dedicated to all these different devices and machines for her health. And meanwhile, she's 20 something years old. She's seems to be pretty healthy. Nothing. She doesn't have any disease that I know about or chronic condition that she's treating. She's just really obsessed with her health. And it might be to, uh, Like she said, too, if if it gets too out of hand, it could become unhealthy, ironically. And she mentioned that. And then on the episode, Courtney was sharing just everything she's going through with IVF. She was doing this really intense Ayurvedic treatments at a center for like a week and cleanses and, you know, just that she's struggling with all of that at an older age. And then Kylie mentioned that she wants to feel normal and just go grocery shopping while she's pregnant. She wants to do things that are very grounding and normal feeling. And she wants to like load the groceries into the car herself and just do all these things that you would think like you would never want to do if you're famous. But she was sharing she couldn't do them because when she goes out, there's paparazzi, there's this and that, people are taking pictures, and she's not able to just go like normal and grocery shopping. So it just made me feel like, That's great because it helps normalize it, right? People are always saying to me, am I the only one that feels this way? And when I have one-on-one clients, they always say that. They feel like they're very alone in their anxiety. But here's this very public show with this reality show. And yeah, they share other funny things and it's glamorized and they're in full makeup and hair and it's like filmed like a movie. It's gorgeous and eye-pleasing to watch and they make light of a lot of these things. 
But at the core, they're struggling deeply with anxiety, confidence, low self-esteem, judgment, not sleeping, not eating well, unhealthy relationships with exercise and food and health, health anxiety, fertility, infertility, very much things that my clients talk about all the time and we all feel as normal humans. So I just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was great and really helps bring these issues to light and maybe it'll help people feel not as alone. Like, oh, if Kim Kardashian has low self-esteem, like, geez, you know, we all have to work on this together. Like, we all just have to go through our own process, including Kim Kardashian. She's going through her own process of working on her confidence and self-esteem. So I thought it was a great point to make. I created something brand new, the No More People Pleasing mini course. I help women to stop people pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm gonna teach you four proven strategies, research proven strategies that's gonna bring you from people pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're gonna use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm gonna teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets that's gonna bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're gonna get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be. And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at Unlock Your Therapy on Instagram, click the link in my bio to get on the list. Now, let's get into skill of the week. So skill of the week is a little bit more of information than a skill per se. It's a way to think about things. And then the action item of the week is going to go into something different. So that will be kind of the thing you can do this week in practice. But skill of the week, I wanted it to be the question of nature versus nurture. I get this question all the time. Often when people come into therapy, they want to work on something like juicy, right? They want to work on like their childhood or something that happened or a trauma they had. But really first, we just have to work on the here and now and teach mindfulness exercises, help the person get grounded. How can they be a little more stable with where they're at? Because when people come into therapy, they needed to be in therapy like years ago, right? Or certainly before they actually do it because they're in a really bad place usually if they're making that decision because the decision to go to therapy has to be less uncomfortable than the pain they're in right now. Otherwise, they could just push it off like, oh, it's awkward to go to therapy. It's uncomfortable. I don't know what to talk about. I don't want to meet a new person. I don't want them judging me. I don't want to talk about all these things out loud. Or there's nothing comfortable about therapy if you're doing it right. So It usually requires a place of extreme discomfort to make the push to find the therapist, make the appointment, and go to your first session. So that usually means we need to just kind of ground ourselves with what's going on right now. How can that person be a little more stable? How can they feel a little better in the here and now? Get more comfortable, get a little more skills under their belt with managing their emotions, regulating their emotions, 
just overall feeling a little better before we're going to dive into some childhood trauma or something that happened to them or any of that more juicy stuff that sometimes people want to go into. And people also always ask me, why? Why are they the way they are? Why do they struggle with anxiety? When will it get better? Will it ever go away completely? Will I feel the way I felt before? Will it come back if it goes away, right? And all of these are anxious questions, right? So people with anxiety ask these questions because it's literally what they're struggling with. Anxiety, ruminating, uncomfortable with uncertainty, uncomfortable with the unknown. And the work of therapy and my courses and everything else is to get more comfortable with those questions without having the answer. We seek external reassurance when we're anxious and we really need to be giving ourselves internal validation. And let's let's say that again. We seek external reassurance. So we ask someone else to reassure us. And when we know the answer ourselves or we need to pause and soothe ourselves, like, yes, I have a right to feel the way I feel. But if I'm uncomfortable with that, I'm not sure I'm going to ask someone else, oh, do you think it's okay that I'm mad at this person? Oh, do you think this? What do you think of that? Do you think that's all right? We're constantly seeking that external reassurance. Oh, do you think my anxiety will ever go away? Do you think it'll get better? Do you think I'll never have this again in the future? Will it come back again? Constant seeking of reassurance. And when clients do that, I tell them, I'm not going to answer your question because you're seeking a lot of reassurance from me. And that's not really going to help. It's kind of like if you don't feel good about yourself and someone says, oh, you look so pretty today. Uh, You have to believe that yourself. That has to come from internal reassurance, uh, internal knowing and being able to talk to yourself about that and get to a place of acceptance and feeling positive about yourself. So this goes into what we're going to talk about, which is the biosocial theory. Where does anxiety come from? Where... Does it come from that people struggle with emotions more than other people? People struggle with regulating their emotions more than others. Some people might be classified as manipulative. Some people are hysterical, right? These are all labels we put on people that might struggle more than others. Why are people like this? You might know someone in your life that exaggerates things, is manipulative, seems to be over the top to get attention. We all know people like that. But why are they like this? Well, there's reasons for that. And it's to cope with different things and to get their needs met. They're doing it in not an effective way because over time that pushes people away, breaks relationships and friendships. It's exhausting to be friends with someone like that, but they don't know a different way. So the biosocial theory is all about why we all are the way we are. And the answer is kind of, it's a big ball of yarn Some of it is biology, the way we were born, the environment in the womb, prenatal environment, childhood, infancy, if we got our needs met, if we grew up in a validating environment or not as children. There's environmental factors and biological factors. Some people are predisposed to being more anxious, to not being able to regulate their emotions as effectively. Sometimes in the womb, that environment is disrupted, and that really affects ability later on to regulate emotions and just temperament in general, how much distress tolerance people have. And we all have various factors, and there's no way to tell which string of yarn belongs to what. It's all one big ball of yarn tangled up, and some of it's biology. We might have anxious parents. We might have parents with addiction. We might have parents with 
whatever, difficulty to regulate mood or parents that didn't have any of that or normal functioning people. Maybe our environment was a little invalidating. If you went to a school that didn't align with you, if you joined the military and that didn't align with you, if you had caregivers that told you you weren't sad when you were crying, right? Like, oh, you're not sad. Get over it. That's an invalidating experience. So we call that being a daisy in a tulip garden, right? Something to that nature. (laughs) It could be any flowers, I guess. Meaning you were different than other people in your environment and you felt things differently. It could be if you grew up in a different neighborhood and you didn't feel like you matched the situation. You felt like an outsider. You didn't have a lot of friends. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be something big, serious trauma. It could just be that you didn't feel like you fit in. Maybe you were shy and you went to school with everyone that was outgoing. You didn't have a lot of friends, whatever that is, something that invalidated you. So what happens in that situation is, let's say a child says, oh, there's a fire. And someone responds and says, oh, no, there's no fire. That's silly. That's just a little flame. Blow it out. And they say, oh, okay, I guess there's no fire. Right? They're learning to not trust themselves. Then they're learning like, oh, I was wrong. Oh, okay. I guess I was wrong about that. Or they might heighten the situation. Yes, there's a fire. There's a fire. Help me right now. There's a fire. Quick, come. And they get hysterical to amp up the response. They're trying to elicit a response to what they are going through. So that could lead, if you continuously feel like you have to be hysterical or over the top to get a proper response from someone or to get help you need or a response, then later as an adult, you might act that way as well. You might exaggerate things, lie, manipulate to get and elicit a response that you want and you need from people, but you're going about it in a very ineffective way. So that can help you understand maybe people in your life that you know that are a little over the top. Or it can lead to someone not being confident and not being able to trust themselves, right? If if let's say you were sick for school and your parents said, oh, you're not sick, like get up and go to school. And but you really are sick. You learn to not trust yourself. Like, oh, I guess I'm not sick. Okay, I guess I have to go to school. Or if you're crying and upset about something, they'll say, oh, you're not sad. Get over it. Stop crying. There's nothing to be sad about, right? Again, you're invalidating that child's experience, their emotional experience that creates an inability to trust themselves and to learn emotion. So it's important that parents reflect back what they're going through, even if they don't think it's a valid reaction. You know, children can be a little irrational, (laughs) but you can at least reflect their experience. Oh, you're, I see you're crying. I see you're upset because you have to wear your red shoes to school and you want to wear your black ones. Okay. I see that you're really upset by that. That's okay. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be disappointed. That's okay. I see you're angry. Oh, you're throwing things. Okay. That's okay to be angry. I'm going to keep you safe or, you know, you need to go calm down and take a time out. But you're still reflecting their experience back to them. The same as babies that smile, right? Babies start to smile at eight weeks old. They smile so that you'll take care of them. That it's a biological response to smile because they're trying to elicit love and affection so you continue to wake up five times a night and feed them (laughs) because you love them and they're cute. It's a built-in wired thing that babies do. It's fascinating. I think childhood development is really fascinating. And they do that so that they can be fed. Like they're manipulating you, right? They're not really experiencing like happiness at eight weeks old, but they start to smile because they know you need a little something to hold on for dear life to being their mom (laughs) and continuing to 
go through the motions here at eight weeks old. So that's just a little background. And I also tell people, right, it doesn't necessarily tell you specifically what's what, but it gives you a little bit to think about of just, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like maybe it was because I went to this school and I it was I was really shy and I really didn't know anyone. I didn't have friends. And maybe that's why I struggle with being um, outgoing now and trying to make friends as an adult. Or, oh, okay, yeah, my parents, they didn't really have a lot of like emotional wherewithal to give to me because they didn't know any better. It's not their fault. They did the best they could. But it makes sense that maybe now I don't trust my own emotions or I feel emotions really intensely and I can't label them properly or soothe them myself, right? All that can make sense to you. So it's a good framework to use. The biosocial theory, you can Google it too. You can type in biosocial theory and it comes from dialectical behavioral therapy is this specific one I'm talking about. And there's a nice worksheet that goes along with it. You can find it online. So it's helpful to know. But what I tell clients at the end of the day, if they're very stuck on this, I tell them it doesn't matter, right? Like, of course, it matters to understand. But if they're really stuck on this and it's preventing them from taking action now and doing things to help themselves soothe, to help themselves cope now, to move forward and get better or be mindful in the present moment, I tell them it doesn't matter, right? What matters is how are you feeling right now and what can we do about that, right? Of course, understanding how we ended up this way, where we are is helpful. It's helpful information. All information is great. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And what matters is grounding yourself now, diffusing from unhelpful thoughts, describing how you're feeling, letting go of your thoughts, letting them come in and go out, and taking committed action, right? Those are the three steps to the anxiety roadmap that I talk about, getting grounded with mindfulness, diffusing thoughts, knowing your values as part of all of that, and then committed action. That's how you're going to get better and feel less anxious and do things with your anxiety anyway. And we're never trying to just like get rid of it or not feel a certain way. That's not the goal of anxiety treatment and getting through anxiety. It's acceptance, letting it be there and hang out with you, understanding your values, and then taking committed action towards your values while you still have anxiety. It can hang out with you and do all the things that you want to do in your life. And that, all of that in turn, when we stop trying to get rid of it, we stop fighting against it, we stop resisting, we just let it be, we accept it, we invite it to come sit at the kitchen table with us in the morning. Hey, sit down, have a coffee. We're going to work on our values and taking some action today towards meaning in my life. That's when your anxiety naturally will start to get better and improve. So I hope that wasn't too tangential. I know it kind of went all over the place like a spider web today, but I think it's just helpful background information to have. And these are just some of the most common questions I hear I want to share on the podcast, things I'm hearing in real time, because I find that all of my clients have the same questions and not just clients. I mean, just humans, right? My clients are normal humans like me, like you, like everybody. And they're all very similar. And I always want to share what people are asking me because it's very much the same. And I'll tell them so I'm blue in the face. Like, I swear, five other people asked me that this week. I answered this question so many times. You're not alone in feeling this way or thinking this way or wanting to know these things. But it's a very common human experience. And that's what I want people to understand, that we're all human. Anxiety is part of being human. Intense emotions as part of being human. And we're all just kind of moving through it together. 
Okay. Action item of the week is we've talked a lot about judgment and letting go of judgment. We talked about the thinking issues, thinking errors in session 10, I believe it was. And I also sent out an email with all of the thinking issues typed out, the thinking errors in depth, a really nice email. If you're interested, you can shoot me an email and I'll send it to you. Lindsay at unlockyourtherapy.com. Just say you want the thinking errors email and I'll send that out to you. If you're not on my email list, I send out weekly emails with a lot of great content and tips. But since we've been talking about judgment, trying to become non-judgmental, trying to label things as facts and not emotions, I thought it would be great for the action item of the week to be trying to be non-judgmental physically. And what does that mean? It means when you're talking to yourself as well, if you're being really judgmental towards yourself, I want you to try to restate whatever it is you just said to yourself with facts, not emotion, not name calling, not being rude to yourself and restate it again. And I want you to use, if this could be in your head or out loud, I want you to use a positive tone of voice, a soothing, caring tone of voice towards yourself because thoughts have tones of voices, I think, right? It's a little abstract to think about, but I think so. A nice, soothing, caring, friendly tone of voice towards yourself, sticking to facts and evidence, releasing judgmental, emotional language that's based on habits, not on facts, and change your body language when you're talking to yourself. I want you to like open up your chest, put your arms down, open up your neck, your shoulders, put your shoulders down, appear confident, change up your stance and how you're sitting. It really can change your mood and how you feel. If you sit up straight, open everything up, just be open to yourself. Change your your facial expression, smile. There's a lot of research on smiling. Even if you're like fake smiling, it changes your mood. It changes a lot of things. So, and I want you to do that towards other people. If you're feeling judgmental or whatever, you're talking to someone, be aware of your body language, your facial expression, your tone of voice. And sometimes we need to act with opposite action, meaning you might be feeling annoyed with someone in a meeting or in your personal life, and you might be feeling irritated and you want to act that way. Don't act that way. There's nothing good going to come from acting that way. Act opposite. Smile, appear confident, use a nice tone of voice with them. Not condescendingly nice, but like a really nice, friendly tone of voice. Relax your face. Uh, A lot of times people will just rely on saying they have a resting B face, right? And they think it's okay to have this facial expression all the time, or it's okay to, I don't know, say how you feel or express how you feel towards someone and that that's just the way I am. And that's not okay. That makes other people feel like crap, you know, don't do that. So just own that you need to act better and be nicer to people and be friendly. And it's going to change how you feel towards them. And towards yourself. So this is for yourself and for others. So the motto of this is, the summary is to let go of the judgment and act as if. Act as if you love yourself, you're non-judgmental towards yourself, you're your best supporter. Act as if you're friendly towards someone else that might be irritating you. You're non-judgmental, you're open-minded to them. And that's really going to improve how your day goes and how other people's day goes. That's it for this episode. 
Thanks for listening. I will catch you all next week. If you're not following me on Instagram, please do so because I share a lot of great tips on there and my stories is my daily life stuff. But I also share good information. I share what's going on when there's a sale on a course I'm launching, when I'm launching my next course, if there's available coaching slots randomly with me, occasionally that happens. All of that's on my Instagram, which is at Unlock Your Therapy. Also, you can like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a review and a rating, please. It really helps me get more seen by other people. Send this episode to a friend you think it would help support. Anything like that just helps. Get on my email list, which you can also do by going over to my Instagram. Just click the link in my bio and you'll see different options there. I have different freebies, giveaways, and you could sign up to get them and you can join my email list there as well. Have a great week. I'll talk to you all later.